the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, uh, Japan's Asian Cup campaign ultimately got off to a winning start on Sunday night, but for a while there, it looked uh, like we might have to convene for an emergency pod at full time as uh, Philippe Trussier's Vietnam threatened a monumental upset. Uh, how are you this week? Yeah, th- thanks, Ben. I'm, I'm doing a bit better than, than last week. I think we, we really have to thank Dan for his, his sterling efforts to help pull us through. I'm, a, I'm a bit more awake and, and more alert. And yeah, I, I had the same thoughts as you about, about half an hour into to last night's game and we're going to have to do an emergency Sunday night pod. But but th- thankfully, um, Japan were able to prevail and we're, we're here on a Monday night as, as usual. Uh, how about yourself? How are you doing tonight? I'm good, thanks. Uh, nerves slightly shredded after uh, Japan's shaky performance and also after it took Australia a long time to break through against uh, India on uh, Saturday night. But ultimately, yes, both nations off to the starts we expected, albeit with an awful lot of room for improvement. Uh, we'll dig into Japan's display shortly, but we wanted to kick off this episode with a brief introduction to JTalk. Uh, of course, we do have an extremely loyal listenership who know the lie of the land round here. But if you're tuning in for the first time due to the Asian Cup, uh, welcome. I'm Ben, a resident of Japan for uh, well over 20 years, an FC Tokyo supporter for my sins and uh, the host of the podcast since its inception in 2012. So uh, JTalk is a weekly podcast that focuses on uh, J1, the top flight in Japan, and also the Japan national team for uh, all major international tournaments qualifiers and friendlies a uh, subscription to this feed uh, will also give you access to jtalk extra time our spin-off podcast hosted by john Steele, james taylor and mike innes that brings you up to date on events in uh, j2 and j3 on a weekly basis but yes if you are a new listener uh, welcome to jtalk and uh, well that's enough from me here's my uh, co-host johnny Hello everyone, so my name is Johnny Nicholl, as, as you might be able to tell from my accent, I'm from, from Scotland, I'm from a, a small town called Prestwick, which is maybe about an hour south of Glasgow by by train. I, I've been living in Japan since uh, since 2012, I've, I've been following the, J, the J-League uh, kind of more and more since, since then. Um, as you can tell by my, my Twitter handle, at blog Gamba, I'm a Gamba Osaka supporter, but I really do enjoy talking about um, all, all the teams in the league. Um, I, I ran a kind of get Gamba Osaka blog from 2019 to to the beginning of this year, but you know more and more I started covering uh, other teams, and um, I started listening to this pod back around the, just bef- maybe about a year or so before I started my my blog, and I was initially just a kind of kind of silent follower, and then gradually I started asking more and more questions, and I, I think I annoyed Ben enough that he he invited me on during during COVID because we needed things to talk about and I've gradually been appearing more and more ever since kind of first of all just um that we did team of the year and team of the half year with with Sam and then um kind of from the middle of, of last year I started to present more and more when, when Ben was back in Australia and then Sam had to, to stop doing it I did some solo pods and then from from the late summer I've been kind of on every week with Ben and yeah, I'm re- really enjoying it, and yeah, I, I was uh, always enjoy doing this on a, on a Monday night or, or other nights when, when we can do it. So, yeah, nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Johnny, and the Japanese Yoroshikonegaishimas. Fantastic stuff. Cheers, Johnny. So, yeah, yes, to lo- uh, new listeners, uh, please consider subscribing and uh, rating five stars where that's an option, and it's uh, great to have you along 
for the ride. And uh, yes, with the J1 starting uh, not long after the Asian Cup concludes, uh, yeah, we'll hope you we uh, that you'll stick with us uh, for the new uh, Japanese football season. All right then, uh, Japan began their campaign for a fifth Asian Cup against Vietnam. On Sunday night with the two of Hajime Moriyasu's first choice 11, uh, the rehabilitating Karumi Toma and Takehiro Tomiyasu, uh, as well as the player I would like to see as the first choice left back, uh, Yuta Nakayama, out of the match day squad of 23. Uh, despite those absences, uh, Moriyasu still had a wealth of attacking options to choose from, and though some eyebrows might have been raised at the sight of Takefusa Kubo and uh, Ritsu Doan, being left on the bench. Uh, for me, Johnny, the uh, the big call was the manager plumping for Mal Hosoya up front instead of ISA Weida, Takuma Asano or Daisen Maida. Uh, so do you think this was a case of Moriyasu wanting to share the minutes around? Um, what do you think Moriyasu was hoping for Hosoya to provide that the others couldn't? And in general, what were your thoughts uh, on the 11 that uh, Moriyasu selected? Starting off with a with a tough question uh, to for for tonight. Um, reading the mind of Moriasu is obviously extremely difficult. So I've I've come up with some theories that none of which was promised to be correct, but I'll give it a go. Um, you know, if we take just first of all like Hosoya versus Ueda and, and leave out Asano and Maeda because they they weren't they didn't play any part in this game. I think you know the, the difficult thing for for um, Moriasu and, and a number of coaches in this tournament is that. The European players are, are halfway through their season, whereas like the, the Asian-based players like in, in Japan or Korea, they've, they've finished their season. So you've got an ISA Ueda who's, who's halfway through his season. But as far as I can tell from my transfer market research, he's only actually started one game. So he's, he's desperately short of minutes. Whereas you have on the other end of the scale, you have Mao Hosoya, who um, played in all 34 of, of Kashiwa's um, games last season, started 32 of them, played the majority of the minutes. I mean, He's essentially in his off-season just now, and then he's potentially he could be playing in the Paris Olympics later this year, so they really have to, to watch his minutes too. But I think, obviously, Hosoya played the full the full 90 minutes against Thailand. We don't know who did what in the, the friendly against uh, against Jordan, but yeah, Hosoya is clearly someone who's got, got the eye of Moriyasu and his, his coaching staff and was given full trust to start here. I, I mean, I've always been impressed in the J-League by... Uh, Hosoya's movement and his closing down and his, his, his pressing on the defensive side of his game and also of course his, his finishing and in, um, in general play in attack so I'm guessing with this new kind of Trussier kind of, uh, Trussier has been the manager of Vietnam for, for a year or so um, just under a year I think and he's tried to impose this kind of um, passing style which is very different from his, his predecessor so I guess that having a sort of kind of workhorse up front, charging down defenders, trying to win the ball high up the pitch, um, also he was leading the the, the defence from from attack. I'm guessing that was his kind of kind of thoughts. Um, he would, I mean, obviously he was, he was taken off at, at half time, and you know at, at half time you're going to get into it. I, I know, but I was I was probably more satisfied at full time than I was at, at half time, which the first half had been a bit of a shock. But if you break it down, when Hosoya was on the the pitch, although he didn't score. Japan scored three goals in in 45 minutes, whereas Ueda did, did ultimately score, but that was the only goal Japan scored. And well, I mean, almost through necessity, Japan I think created more chances in that first half and looked more dangerous. while Hosoya was on the field, so 
I kind of wonder if that was a pre-planned move to give them both 45 and 45. And obviously, Moriyasu, your favourite, Asano's waiting the wings for the big game against Iraq. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting. But I think, yeah, he, he very much has to manage the, the minutes of Rueda, who's not played enough to make sure he doesn't get an injury. And also Husoya, who's maybe played too much. And then his players coming from Germany and, and Scotland, like you say. So it very much is a, is a balancing act. And there's things we can see on TV or things we know about these players from the past. But there's also things that Boriasu and his coaching staff are seeing in training or getting feedback from, from the players. So, yeah, it's very difficult to say for certain. But I've given a, a stab. Do you, do you have any kind of theories of your own? Well, no, that was a commendable effort, and yeah, I mean, uh, you had jet lag last week, Johnny. So, I'd, you know, I wouldn't have felt um, it wouldn't have felt right to uh, pr- uh, to pose a question like that to you uh, last week while you clearly weren't at your best. But um, yeah, over that now, and uh, I think you've made a, a pretty good fist of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just wonder whether in a tournament like this, there's much merit in not going as strong as possible in every single game. I mean. He's, um, you know, he's not able to field Mitoma and Tomoyasu um, last night, but for for the most part, um, yeah, I'd like to see him go as strong as possible. And I mean, in terms of up front, yeah, I mean, I guess there there might be a situation later on in the tournament that calls for Hosoya, uh, a, a an emergency break glass sort of situation. So he wouldn't want um, Hosoya coming in completely cold. I don't think Moriyasu. But yeah, I did find it odd. The form that Wade has been in for the national team, your point about his club starts and and, uh, appearances is is a good one. But uh, yeah, I just found it odd that he he wasn't chosen to start uh, Wader. But um, yeah, it was... uh, it was a decision that, um, yeah, Moriyasu obviously would stand behind. And uh, you're right, we might see Asano uh, against uh, Iraq as well. So it might be uh, that uh, Waiters waiting um, until deep into the group stages or maybe even into the knockout stages before he makes his uh, his first start. But, yeah, for me, he's uh, he should be the first choice number nine. And I'd like to see him start as many games as possible. Uh, anyway, the uh, the game, at, once it kicked off, settled into a uh, familiar pattern, I guess, that most of us would have expected before it began, of uh, Japan having to break down a defensive-minded opponent, uh, the Vietnamese settling in to 5-4-1. But, uh, yeah, well, it appeared to be going to script, Johnny, when uh, Takumi Minamino gave uh, the Samurai Blue an 11th-minute lead, side-footing home first time after a corner came off Ko Itakura at the back post and uh, Yukinari Sugawara's blast was blocked. So, yeah, anybody who was um, disappointed to see Minamino get the nod ahead of Kubo in the uh, the number 10 role, well, they were... Uh, yeah, well, Minamino proved that his uh, his selection was uh, a valid one by getting Japan off to a, a good start. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if it was more, more me or kind of or it was the Japan national team, but I definitely sensed a bit a bit of nervousness in the opening ten minutes. That you know they've gone from playing friendlies for for quite a while into this as a competitive game now. Um, I mean, I know they played the, the World Cup qualifiers, but I think they're they're ahead uh, early in both of those, but. Yeah, I, I I definitely sense there's a bit of edginess and and trying to kind of force passes or get the ball into attacking areas a, a bit too quickly at times in that kind of first ten minutes. But then you know they get the break of the ball and Minamino who who has definitely he's got a good goal scoring record for Japan, but he's he's definitely been missing uh, he's definitely been guilty of of missing the odd chance or or two. But very good for his confidence to get get an early goal. And yeah, at that point, I thought that's exactly what Japan need. They haven't been at, at their at their best. They have faced a stacked defence. 
you know, I, I think the, the, the zone commentators were getting uh, getting money for using the word compact. It seemed to be coming up about every 30 seconds or so. But they managed to break through that compact defence, even with a, a bit of luck. But yeah, after uh, 11 minutes, I think, yeah, you thought, uh, yeah, perfect start for, for Japan. They've got a goal now. They can relax, settle down, build on that lead. But yeah, I think as you're going to go into tell us, ultimately that, that didn't happen. No, it did not. I mean, they had to know they'd see the lion's share of the ball, uh, but they had to be prepared for Vietnamese threats from set pieces and counterattacks, and the underdogs caught them out first in the 16th minute from their first corner of the match. A simply brilliant uh, glancing header from Nien Din back, uh, arcing up and over Zion Suzuki and finding the net just inside the far post. Uh, the ball was driven in low to the near post, so clearly something uh, Vietnam had practiced, but um, to execute it to absolute perfection was, uh, well, it was uh, it was brilliant. As I said, it was a simply stunning equaliser, Johnny. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, before we get on to, to Trussier a bit a bit more later, he I've seen him getting a, a lot of praise for, for his tactics, but I think the players themselves need, need a, a bit of praise because it's all, it's all very well having a coach telling you what to do, but like you say, you've got to go out there and execute and, you know, they did this to absolute perfection. I, mean, I know you could you could probably, if you were to be ultra critical of Vietnam, you say it's quite a low percentage goal. But the thing that works really for me for Vietnam and also goes against Japan is how much more that the player wanted the ball than the Japanese. Like I think it was Wataru Endo. He was he was actually slightly at fault for for both both goals. Vietnam scored, but you know in the end he just he just moves quicker, he moves faster than than Endo, and he gets to the position he's supposed to be at, and he gives himself. The, the chance to get the goal so yeah and, and vital for Vietnam because I think there was there was five minutes between the, them going behind and them equalizing and mm. there was maybe just a hint of Japan starting to settle but then bang they're, they're right back in it you don't want them to get into a pattern where you're, you're 1-0 down and then you're just sort of fending off blows kind of for 15 or 20 minutes and it goes to 2-0 and it's game over they very quickly struck back they used like you said counter-attacks uh, which I think um, it helped them get into the position in the first place and also set plays. And, you know, for, for me, it was a bit like watching Gamba Osaka defending from last season. The defenders not doing what they're supposed to be doing and attackers doing their the very best to get into positions and, and give themselves a great chance to, to get a goal. And what, what a moment for Vietnam, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely superb. And I mean, yeah, he, Endo is, um, well, he's slow to react, but Yen just knows where the ball's going to be and is, um, you know, he's able to, to, to make his dash for it. And as I say, driven in low where nobody else was uh, um, really able to get any any uh, anything on it or get, to even get close to it. So uh, the fact that they've, uh, they've executed that uh, training ground routine uh, to perfection on the big stage is uh, yeah, obviously uh, hugely commendable and a, a terrific equaliser, as we've both said. Uh, Minamino pulled a shot just wide, but uh, Japan was struggling to put anything resembling fluent together, and uh, the Vietnamese threat on the counter reared its head just past the half hour when uh, Sugawara was booked for bringing Nguyen down 40 yards from goal, and well, he was lucky that Shogo Taniguchi was close enough to remove any question of a dog-so red card, but then the uh, the set piece was floated to the back post, the ball then headed across goal, and uh, bouncing in front of Zion Suzuki, who seemed uh, unprepared 
for the way the ball skimmed off the surface and off of his uh, weak attempt to parry or push the ball away from goal with the Fuam Tuan Hai uh, gleefully blasting the ball into the net to give Vietnam a shock lead. So, Johnny, this squad has been described as Japan's best ever and potentially the best in Asian Cup history. But, uh, I mean, one of the major question marks has remained in goal, obviously, where we've seen Shuichi Gonda and uh, Daniel Schmidt cast aside uh, basically since the, uh, the the last World Cup. And with the uh, Keisuke Osako injured, uh, this appeared to be Suzuki's chance to establish himself as Japan's number one moving forward. But as auditions go, this was a, uh, well, it was a frankly terrible start for him. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's, he's a young guy, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna go wild at him. You, you've seen bit bigger names or more experienced names make a hash of things in like World Cups or, or big events like this. It, I mean, it's, it's a mistake. There's no two ways about it. I think the, the only thing I can say to him or say, say in his defence is that he certainly wasn't alone in making a mistake, as, as you've just outlined in that whole thing. I think defensively, Japan were, were all over the place there. From You mentioned Sugawara, who I, I thought was genuinely excellent going forward. But he did have a couple of shaky moments defensively, like like this one giving away the the foul. And then is it, Endo is definitely one of the players caught out. I think Hiroki Ito is the other one. There's a Vietnamese player moves around the back, wins the initial header, which Suzuki fumbles. And then again, Fuam is the only one who reacts. He wants it more. You know, if you don't if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the lottery. He buys a ticket, and the ball falls right to his feet, and he he taps it in. So. You know, kind of shambolic gamba-esque defending all, all round from Japan, but but brilliant stuff from Vietnam. The the pace and the counter, and they were really frustrating Japan with the, the defending and the, the their quick burst down down the wing. And then it's yet another like something they've worked on the, on the training field. A, a free kick this time kept catching Japan cold. And yeah, just to come back to to Suzuki, I mean again to kind of take something away from him. Obviously, Moriyasu is a, a coach who, who divides opinions, but like you say, he, he's the one that picks the squad. He, he's picked Suzuki on the basis of a, a few weeks as Urawa number one and, and half a season as, as number one in Belgium, and he hasn't taken experienced backups like, like say, Gonda or Schmidt. Uh, I wonder if he, he might be able to get Kawashima in now that he's signed for, for Jubilo again. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, Suzuki, he's picked him as his number one. He, he's got, you know, t- Nozawa's got 10 J1 appearances and, and Mayakawa's got what, about a year and a half as Visa number one under his, his belt. It's not not a lot of experience there. So hopefully Suzuki is not he's not fit phased by that. I, I don't think he will be too too much. He seems to have taken to, to Europe like a duck to water. So hopefully it's onwards and upwards from him here. And I guess that you know we're, we're focusing on the negatives first. There's more positives to, to come, but I guess the, the good thing for Japan is this has happened in, in this game, the, the the first game, and it's happened early, and it's happened in the game where they have been able to fight back, unlike, say, like the, the 2019 final, where they found themselves like a couple of goals down against against perhaps better opposition, and they didn't have the time or, or really the, the advantage to, to come back from that. So, yeah, it, it happened early, get the mistakes out here, and then, then hopefully in the latter stages they don't drop up, but but de- definitely some, some worrying signs from that that kind of first uh, 30, 35 minutes of the game. Yeah, and, uh, well, it was uh, 
to prove to be a an early test of this uh, Japan squad metal. Uh, I mean, they were uh, yeah, they were clearly rocked after falling behind. But again, the the, the game uh, continued in in a similar vein where uh, Japan now had to chase the game, but they were still obviously the the team that uh, had the ball um, uh, much more than their opponents, and it was up to them to to try and unlock. Uh, the Vietnam team that had uh, something to sit back on now with uh, them uh, two goals to one ahead. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was interesting to say see the way they uh, the the way they attacked Johnny. I mean, you mentioned that you thought Sugawara had a good game going forward, but for me, his uh, his uh, comrade down the right, Junior Ito, it certainly wasn't his finest um, afternoon slash evening. It, it was. Uh, um, yeah, one of those where, you, yeah, obviously Vietnam extremely um, aware of the threat that he can pose, but uh, um, it was uh, yeah, just one of those games where it, it didn't seem that much was uh, going right. He wasn't getting the bounce of the ball, and um, yeah, anything that he was trying didn't seem to be coming off. Uh, and um, on the left, yeah, Ito, um, while he has his uh, obviously strong points, especially defensively, I think he can be... Uh, um, a little bit of an anchor when uh, when he's asked to to join in the attack. I mean, there was a, 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 a time early on in the game where he just took far too long to cross, and um, yeah, any chance of uh, Japan posing a threat uh, uh, was gone. But um, yeah, uh, overall, uh, with the, the the middle obviously uh, using that word compact again, uh, difficult to break through for uh, for the the most part in the first half for Japan um how did you feel they uh, they attacked and and indeed the players on the on both flanks uh, how did they acquit themselves overall yeah i think I, I thoroughly agree with your point on on Hiroki Ito i think against against stronger or i don't want to insult Vietnam but i mean opposition you might face in the kind of the last day or last four should Japan get there i think his defensive qualities can come to the fore but yeah, I remember that moment you, you mentioned when he was going to charge into the byline and he just didn't look comfortable out there and there was three or four waiting and, like you say, it took far too long to, to make the cross. But ultimately, that, it didn't really matter too much in the end. But, yeah, Junior Ito was a, a surprise because whenever I talk to people back in, in, the, in the UK, you'll, you'll naturally get their knowledge about the Japanese players or come like the Celtic players or, or Mitoma or Kubo, people like that. They might even know a bit about Doan, but... When I was throwing the name Junior Ito, it doesn't seem to get much of a response. But generally, when I watch Japan playing Ito, if he's not the, the one that catches the eye most, he's one of the two or three that generally I'd come away from watching a Japan game thinking he was one of the best players. And, you know, he's got a very high standard to live up to, but this is one of his most ineffectual outings for Japan. But, I mean, he is such a good player, I, I would fully expect him to, to bounce back in the, in the next game. I think, you know, on the other flank, obviously, I'm a, a bit biased towards K- Keito Nakamura, but I think, you know, he, he's quite an inexperienced player. This was only his, his, um, his sixth cap. I think he was quite guilty, not not just not necessarily in the first half, but also I think into the second half of, of overplaying or, you know, Japan were desperate for a goal. We'll get on to what, the, the glowing uh, thing that he did in the game. But in general, I think maybe Moriasu might have considered that a more experienced option, but um, ultimately he, he came good if maybe kind of dwelling in the ball a bit too much. And Minamino, I've always had reservations for at this level, but absolutely no complaints about his his performance. Um, and I think that the guys in the middle, Morita and Endo, um, you know, they're not the best at attacking, um, but I think Endo, despite his maybe his shortcomings 
at the at the corners, and he ultimately got got an assist and helped to drive the team forward. So yeah, I think there's you know kind of mixed bag. I'd say um, Minamino and, and Sugawara definitely from, from an attacking sense. Nakamura was was up and down, um, and yeah, Ito hopefully for for Japan fans that this was just a, a one-off blip, and like you say, Vietnam knew of his quality and, and nothing happened. But but come Friday night against Iraq, hopefully he'll be he'll be back, uh, all guns blazing. Yeah, indeed, it gets the benefit of the doubt from me for a, a poor performance in this game. But um, yeah, just on Endo and Morita, um, are they slightly too similar? Johnny, uh, to each other in uh, against an opponent like this, again, with all due respect to Vietnam, who definitely gave uh, Japan a, uh, a, a far stern, uh, sterner test than uh, I think both of us were expecting them to. But um, dare I say it, a slightly more creative uh, player like, uh, gee, I don't know, maybe Al Tanaka might have uh, might have been uh, useful uh, in a game like this where, as you know, as as we know, Japan's going to dominate the ball. They're going to need to have to unlock a, um, a defence that's sitting in and, um, you know, hoping to restrict Japan and then hit them uh, on the counter. Um yeah, I, I mean, Morita does uh, obviously have his attacking qualities. For me, shooting isn't one of them, but I mean, he is able to uh, to, to pass through uh, a defence at times. And as we see with Endo, he obviously assisted uh, Japan's second goal that got them back uh, on to level terms just before uh, the break that we're going to come on to shortly. But um, yeah, I don't know whether maybe, maybe Sano is... Um, he might get the Indonesia game. I don't know, as a bit of a trial from uh, from Moriyasu with uh, with one more defensive-minded uh, midfielder and maybe Sano to to do a little bit more creatively. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a really good point. I, I, th- I mean, I think we have to be careful of not being like too, too like analysing too much after the fact because I think when the team came out, Morita and Endo, that was that was an obvious selection. As we talked about earlier, there was maybe question marks about selections in other areas. But, yeah, from, from what we have seen, you know, the, the impact Sano had, granted he was coming on when, when Japan were, were ahead against a tiring Vietnam, but you know, in his little cameo, he he, he certainly showed, showed an awful lot more in an attacking sense than, than Morita did. And, yeah, again, from, from what we've seen in this match, it, it just adds fuel to the, the fire of those demanding that or demanding reasons why Al Tanaka was, was left out, because that... Yeah, I, I definitely agree in a game like this and also like in the, the game against uh, Indonesia. Um, you know, a Tanaka or, or Sano is, is probably more, more necessary than a Morita and, or the, the, the combination of Morita and Endo, which, which I think would be great against a, an Iran or, or South Korea. Um, yeah, it, it definitely would be better to have, have more options, especially if you're, you know, they've got so many options in, in attack they're probably not going to use. Let, let's be honest, I think they could easily have taking an extra midfielder. So, yeah, that maybe the, the, you're right. I think the, the attacking, um, the, the lack of attacking prowess, maybe of, of that duo t- together w- was highlighted here and especially by Sano's late cameo. And, yeah, there'll definitely be a few people, not not just yourself, I think, asking questions again of Moriyasu, what, why Tanaka is not in Qatar. Indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I realise I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, though, because I said earlier on that I think he he, he should have he should go as uh, as strong as possible in every game. And I mean, yeah, I mean his first choice midfield is Endo and Morita, isn't it? So, um, uh, yeah, well, obviously not surprised to to see Morita play in this game. And uh, yeah, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if it's the same midfield too, uh, as far as Japan go in this tournament. But um, yeah, uh, in uh, in a game like this, um, perhaps that yeah. Could 
could be an argument for a, a more creative uh, a more creative type alongside Endo, who, uh, well, as we've said, uh, did provide the spark that got Japan back on the level terms. He found a gap in the Vietnamese defence and slipped in. Minamino, who's a superb finish across the keeper and just inside the far post, uh, restored parity in the 45th minute. That was Minamino's second of the game and his uh, 20th uh, in a Japan shirt uh, before, uh, well, a simply sublime strike, Johnny, from the edge of the box from Kato Nakamura in the fourth minute of stoppage time, put Japan back in front, heading into the sheds. He hadn't done a, a, an awful lot, had he, in the first half, uh, Kato, but this was a, an absolute, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant strike and continues on his um, remarkable uh, goal-scoring record since he's come into the uh, into the Japan side. Yeah, the first half certainly didn't go Japan's way, but they definitely finished it with with aplomb. And I'm not sure where they came up with the, the six minutes of additional time. I, I know these FIFA events they, they they count additional time differently from the G League, but even with that, I, I don't know where they come up with six minutes. But uh, Japan certainly weren't complaining because yeah, yeah, right right on the the 45th minute, Endo kind of went some way to to make amends for his defensive lapses. It was a yeah, brilliant, brilliant pass into Minamino and a, yeah, a finish you'd expect from someone playing in the, a, a top league like the French League. It's not something he's always done for Japan, but, but fair play to him in, in this instance. Another fine, fine finish from, from Minamino. And it was, I think it was quite interesting because obviously Japan had a bit of a head of steam going at this point. And between the second and third goal, I think, there was a Japan player that took a shot and it hit a Vietnamese player in the face. And he obviously wasn't hurt and he didn't go down. But I kind of wondered at that point, I'm not going to name any countries. You can think of whoever you, you like, but I think there's there's certain other countries where even if the player wasn't hurt, he might go down holding his face just to sort of break Japan's momentum. But you know, Vietnam are, are at this level not really that that kind of level of streetwise, and that they didn't do that, and the momentum just continued. But even then, you know, absolutely brilliant finish from from Nakamura. I think he already had the record. He was the first player to score five goals in five games. He's now got six goals in six games for Japan, and you know. I sort of criticised him slightly in my, my previous answer, but not not doing enough or overplaying. But I guess when you you get your team ahead right in the stroke of half time with a, a finish like that, then yeah, you, you can't complain. That was I was inch perfect, and I was actually looking up Philippe Cruzier, um, looking up his his kind of stuff on on Wikipedia and transfer market, and he actually used to uh, he also played for for Rain, I believe you pronounce it as. Um, the REIMS, the, the French team that both Ito and, and Nakamura play for. So, yeah, maybe when he looks back on this, he, he might also admire that goal. It might might hurt him at the time, but yeah, a brilliant goal from Nakamura and, and really a dagger into the heart of, of Vietnam uh, right on halftime. What, what a time to score a goal, wasn't it? Yeah, perfect timing and yeah, absolutely perfect strike from, uh, from Kato Nakamura. And so, yeah, 3-2 to Japan at the end of a, uh, a an amazing first half of football. Uh, so Wader came on for Hosoya at halftime. Yeah, Johnny, you wondered whether it was a, a pre-planned move uh, or not. Um, Hosoya did have one chance. I think it came just before um, Minamuno's equaliser, didn't it? Perhaps in the, even in the same passage of play the, the, as the ball was recycled uh, out to uh, ultimately to Endo and then he he played in uh, Minamino who, who made it 2-2. So um, Yes, I was uh, very surprised to see Hosoya start the game. And um, how did you rate his performance? It was uh, obviously a, a, a difficult 
um, a, a difficult game at times for for Japan with uh, yeah coming up against an opponent who was camped in for for most of the first half and touches were at a premium for Hosoya but uh, the way he moved around and, and tried to stretch the defense um, overall do you think um, he can feel satisfied in his uh, 45 minutes on the pitch even though he, he wasn't able to register a goal himself? I mean, I mean, honestly, I'd probably have to watch the game again to to, to fully give him a, a proper rating. As I, I think my feeling about him might be kind of mixed in with what my feeling was about the the first half as a whole for Japan, which obviously, you know, he he wasn't responsible for the the, the kind of defensive lapses. And uh, yeah, all, what I remember of him is, um, you know, very good movement, pressing. He never stopped running, never stopped working. He he had that one on one chance. I've, yeah, I've written down in my notes. I think it, you're right. It was the kind of one on one. It was denied, and the ball was kind of kicked out to the, the midfield, and then Japan brought it back and and scored. So, yeah, I, I think he himself, you know, being a striker, I'm sure he would have wanted to score. He he would have fancied his chances in a game like this, where Japan were were fancied to score a few goals, like three or four goals. Um, so the fact he he didn't get on the score sheet after in 45 minutes might might have disappointed him, but. I think yeah he, he can hold his head high. I think he's he's worked hard and like I said in the, the kind of introduction to the, this game, Japan scored three goals in what about fifty two or fifty three minutes. It ended up being um it, while he was on on the field and you know he scored one goal in the second half when he wasn't on the field. So yeah, I, I think he he's definitely someone who showed last year in the J League. He's got goal scoring prowess. He also works hard and he, he's quick. So. You know, the, the other options are there, whether uh, Asano and Maeda, but we definitely haven't seen the last of, of um, Hosoya in this tournament. You know, Moriyasu might not come out and say it, but if, if Japan play a, any less than seven games in this tournament, it's a failure. So we'll definitely see more from him, and I, I, I fancy him to get a goal at some point. I, I think, yeah, he, he, I think he did, he, did, he did himself justice, even if it might not have felt like at the time when he was subbed off. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And um, yeah, as you say, I think you're right. Yeah, we will see more from Hosoya throughout the uh, throughout the competition. So um, yeah, don't worry, listeners. We won't go through the second half as uh, forensically as the first, as obviously, um, yes, the the game, I guess, for want of a better term, Johnny, it calmed down after the break and... Um, but obviously Japan still knew that they had to uh, had to put the game to bed and that didn't come until there were five minutes left in the 90. But um, yeah, it's I think it's worth um, giving some time to, to Ritsu Doan, who came on for Nakamura just past the hour. That um, that necessitated a junior Ito going over uh, to the left, which um, ironically produced, uh, I think, his his best passage of um of his time on the pitch when he uh, he he actually made it to the byline i don't think he was able to do that at all in his time on the the right hand side and um his uh, his cutback was deflected into the path of uh, morita whose uh, shot on target was headed out for a, a corner by a vietnamese defender but um yeah doan has his supporters obviously and um Plenty of people want to see him uh, starting for Japan. Uh, in recent times, he's been crowded out of the, uh, in inverted commas, uh, best 11, I suppose, or uh, he hasn't been a regular starter uh, definitely as often as, as he would like or, or, or that his uh, supporters would like. Um, his, uh, well, almost half hour uh, on the pitch, um, obviously we know what he's uh, what he's all about, and uh, I, I think he was able to give a, a, a very good account of himself um, leaving aside, as we will come on to later, the the role he played in uh, in Japan's fourth goal. 
Yes, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think that the two halves of this game almost felt like different games. The, the first half was just full of goals and attacking, end-to-end stuff at times, and you know, Japan just pressing Vietnam back, and then Vietnam coming back with a counter. And then the second half seemed to happen in, in fits and spurts. Like, you'd feel like nothing happened for five minutes, and Japan would have a great chance, or Vietnam would get a counter and just fail with that kind of last pass. So, you know, the full frustration from both sides. And yeah, I think Doan added a kind of more composed presence in the second half. And like you say, he definitely didn't do his chances of starting in future games at any harm. He's obviously got the big tournament experience with his two goals in Qatar at the World Cup and playing in the Bundesliga and playing in European competitions for his club side. He's definitely someone that will be used probably in every game by Moriyasu, but... You know, with, with Kubo coming back from, from injury and, and Mitoma to return and Minamino getting his couple of goals, Nakamura scoring, the, the kind of money Junior Ito has in the bank, it, it, even you know, as, as one of his biggest fans as a, as a Gamba supporter, it's, it's difficult for me to make a case for him necessarily starting. I guess he probably will start against Indonesia, but he'll probably be used as a, as a trusted substitute to come on, not just a time-wasting substitute with five minutes to go, but you know, get, get, getting 30, 35 minutes of, of games. Um, yeah, I think he, yeah, like you say, he was he was very effective. I mean, I I have a theory about teams kind of like like Vietnam or where we're talking in the Green Room about South Korea playing playing Bahrain. It's actually based on the Rugby World Cup, and it it kind of worked in the, the ACL group stages when they played it all in six games. I, I think if teams like this are going to cause a shock or they're going to have a big game, it's always going to be the first game. It is like the intensity of games they face outside of this competition I think it's very hard to raise themselves for like three big performances so you're always going to get like you know, that opening 45 minutes I mean it, it, people who, who want to bash Japan or want to bash Moriyasu they're going to bash them over that 45 minutes but ultimately it doesn't really matter so much in the next game or the third game because I think you know, teams like Vietnam, they've come out and they've taken their best shot and they have, they've bloodied the nose of Japan. But I think as the game went on, you could see that if they didn't have set plays, it was very difficult for them to actually carve Japan fully open and, and get, get a goal. And, you know, Japan had substitutes like, like Doan, like a, possibly not, not fully fit Kubo, players of that quality, Sano, to, to come on, whereas, you know, Vietnam players were tired and they didn't really have the, you know, I know they had a lot of injuries, but, the squad, kind of looking at the squad, I think there's only only a couple of players had over 50 caps. It's a it's a very inexperienced squad, as as Japan's was to to be fair. But you know, just the, the quality of the the benches and, and players like Doan, I think, really helped to, to to make the difference, even if it wasn't shown and, and loads of goals being scored. But yeah, I think he he can be happy with his work. But there might be a bit more frustration coming up for him, as I think he'll largely be used as a as a substitute member going forward. But that that's just my kind of hunch, though. Mm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough then. All right, so, uh, yeah, as we mentioned, Asano came on. That was uh, that was for Morita. Then uh, with the six minutes left, uh, Takefusa Kubo entered the fray for uh, the brace-scoring Takumi Minamino. And then uh, just a minute later, uh, three subs combined to put the game to bed finally for Japan. Doan found Kubo, who slipped the ball sideways to Wada. Uh, he cut back across the box and shot with the ball going in off a defender past the wrong-footed keeper. So, uh, yeah, you've got to start somewhere, I suppose. Um, 
yeah, we didn't expect them to win every game 10-0 in this tournament, Johnny. Um, yeah, and maybe this was, uh, in some respects, a wake-up call that uh, maybe Moriyasu and his players needed. I don't know if they were guilty of getting carried away with the, the gushing praise of their press clippings or not. But as you said, right back at the start of the game, yeah, it seemed that Japan were a bit nervy and uh, and off their best. Um, so Moriyasu's definitely got um, something to work on in training before the Iraq game, which, um, well, we all expect that, uh, well, before the tournament started, to be the most difficult of uh, the the group stage. Um, if uh, if Japan can click into gear, then it might turn out uh, that, uh, yeah, this, this first game, as you say, where their nose was bloodied, might turn out to be, uh, yeah, the wake-up call that they needed, and it really got them um, kicked into gear. So uh, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, it's uh, getting into the mind of Moriyasu is extremely difficult, and we know he's a penchant to uh, rotate throughout uh, the group stage of a tournament. So um, we uh, we could have a stab at uh, trying to pick the Iraq game uh, the and the 11, uh, Johnny. But, um, yeah, uh, we don't know how fit Mitoma and Tomiyasu would be. We don't expect that they would come straight back into the team, I don't think, anyway. But, um, yeah, what uh, what he might do in terms of uh, shuffling his pack for, uh, for that game remains to be seen. But... Um, yeah, I guess wrapping it up, then, uh, yeah, we, we saw positive contributions off the bench from uh, pretty much all of the substitutes. Uh, Seiya Maikuma uh, replaced uh, Sugawara as well that I should have mentioned uh, during the second half. So, um, yeah, Japan gave uh, game time to a number of uh, a number of players and it was uh, good to see the likes of, uh, yeah, Maikuma and uh, Sano uh, not look out of place uh, on, on the big stage in a major tournament. So, um, yeah, I guess as we wrap this game up, there uh, in terms of positives and negatives, um, I think we've we've talked about the the defence and yeah the the way the, the the sloppy nature of the 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 two goals that Vietnam scored. Although again, full praise to them for their uh, performance and and taking what they were given, I suppose for from Japan they. Uh, they, they, yeah, they posed a certain threat and they were able to cash in on a, a couple of occasions. And I'm sure uh, V Talk or whatever the uh, the Vietnamese football podcast is uh, will be, uh, yeah, really happy with their uh, nation's performance in this um, group stage opener. So I don't know. Why don't we finish on a, a positive note and talk about the likes of uh, Minamino Johnny? Because um, yeah, maybe five or six months ago, uh, his uh, place in this squad was uh, looking very, very doubtful. But uh, he's worked his way way back into Moriyasu's plans um yeah uh, started in this uh, group stage opener and uh, more than justified his selections with uh, with two goals and of course the assist for for Nakamura's third for Japan as well yeah I think with with Japan putting that four four two three one system the the three is definitely the hardest part to, to break into you've just got so so many quality players and you know Minamino's just hit He's come back into form at the, at the right time and um, like the time for this competition and also a time when, when Kubo's picked up a bit of an injury and, and Mitoma's picked up a bit of an injury. And you know, he, he's one of the, the kind of senior senior statesmen. I think uh, after Endo, he had the he had the most caps in, in last night's lineup. I was, I was actually at a bit of time before the game and uh, I looked up. I think that the Japan team as a whole had uh, 267 caps to starting 11, but you know, 158 of those were, were Endo, Junior Ito and, and Minamino. There's just, the other eight players only had 109, so I mean, you don't tend to. I still think of him. You know, he's been quite a young player, but you know, he's he's 28 now. He's been around for for a long, long time, and you know, he is one of the, the senior statesmen in in this side when when he plays. And 
you know, he he's definitely given given Moriasu a decision because I mean, I, I thought you were going to ask me a bit more directly about what the team will be for for Iraq, and you know, I mean, full disclosure to the the, the listeners, I think it's about 45 minutes to go until Iraq kick off their game um, against Indonesia, so we don't know what kind of performance they're going to put on on tonight, but. You know, it's the hardest game in the group. It looks like, and you'd think you want Takafusa Kubo coming in, but the performance that Minamino's put in with with two goals and um, two goals and an assist out of the four goals that Japan scored, you'd think it'd be very very hard to drop him from the starting eleven after that. He's, yeah, you know, like you say, a few months ago or a year ago, you had well, Minamino's not really going to make a comeback to the national team. There's too many players coming through, he'll just get squeezed out, and he'll never. Never come back, but yeah, fair play to him. He's he's gone to France. He's put his head down. He's 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 done the business, and then he's got back in the Japan national team and in a position where you really need to grab it with with both hands. He's he's absolutely done that, and yeah, onwards and upwards for for him uh, throughout this tournament. Indeed. Well, uh, if you've gone to the trouble of uh, trying to scratch out an 11 for the Iraq game, Johnny, it would be a shame for that to go to waste. So uh, if you've got it, if you've got somebody there for us, then uh, then. Please feel free. It's no work of art because it's basically nine of the players that started against Vietnam. I went for the goalkeeper and the, the same back four and the same two holding midfield players. I think the only change I had was Asano in for, for Hosoya uh, to, to start. And then I, I think Kubo will start if he's fit. But whether he tries to ease out Keito Nakamura and maybe put Minamino or Kubo on the left... Um, mm. I think that's the two I went for. I don't think he'll go with Doan. And I'd, like you say, if, even if Mitomo or Tomiyasu are fit, I think he would come on in the second half if necessary. So, yeah, the one I'm most confident about is I think Asano will start probably as a centre forward or potentially as a left winger. Um, and I think Kubo, because he got minutes and he looked reasonably sharp, I think Kubo will come in for, for one of the, the players in the, in the three. What do you say to that, Ben? Yeah, it would be really harsh to um, to drop Minamino, wouldn't it? But uh, I think, yeah, well, Kubo, well, he's the best number 10 Japan's got. So uh, if this is going to be the, the crunch game in, in the group stage, then, yeah, I think he should play if he is ready to go. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a really interesting decision for him because, um, well, Nakamura was, um, yeah, peripheral for, for most of the first half and... Um, yeah, not always um, able to link up uh, as maybe as, as much as Moriyasu would like with his uh, teammates around him. I mean, he showed what he was capable of with that um, that stunning goal. And uh, for the most part, yeah, he's proven to be a very able deputy for Mitoma. So it would be harsh on him to, uh, to be dropped as well. But yeah, if he's going to go as strong as possible for the game that we think is, uh, is going to be the toughest in the group stage, then yeah, I think Kubo should start. And yeah, if it's, if it's going to be harsh on, on Nakamura, then um, yeah, I think Minamino is, is undroppable. So he's going to have to, um, you gonna have to make one or two difficult decisions, I think. But uh, I agree generally with the the, the rest of the uh, uh, the names you mentioned there. I think it, there's no real need for uh, for wholesale changes, um, and hopefully Japan can take care of business. And if he really, really wants to um, rotate some players through, then yeah, maybe the Indonesia game uh, would be the occasion to do that. But again, I'm I'm in favour of um, yeah going as strong as as possible for the most part, where it's um, yeah, it doesn't um, step on any boundaries of, of players being overworked 
etc uh, etc et so you mentioned johnny that um the the three most experienced uh, japan players in this uh, 11 uh, on sunday night had around 150 caps between them well uh, yeah we're going to finish off with um uh, the man by talking about the man who has the the japan record of about the same number 152 <laughs> caps to himself, uh, Yasuhito Endo finally called time on his um, frankly remarkable career. Um, last week, it was a uh, very under understated uh, way of um, going about announcing your retirement, as uh, I don't think that really took uh, anybody who knows anything about Yasuhito Endo by surprise, though, Johnny. He went about his football, uh, for the most part, with a minimum of fuss, but with, um, yeah, uh, uh, an unbelievable ability and um, was uh, was chosen last year as the the MVP of the first 30 years of the J League, a um, uh, an incredible honour, but one that uh, basically it couldn't have gone to to anybody else because uh, of what he's meant to the uh, the game in Japan and as a, a legend of the the club that you support um yeah it must have been an emotional time for for Gumba supporters especially as you welcome him back to the fold after his the conclusion of his playing career with the Jubilo Iwata he has now returned to Gumba as a coach and um yes a a, a, a fantastic homecoming for Endo at the end of uh, the career to end all careers for a Japanese footballer yeah, I was actually off seeing him yesterday. They did the open training in Gamba's training facility before they head off to Okinawa. And you know, I've seen it quite busy before, but you know there was masses of people there yesterday. There must have been about three, 300 people, 300, 400 people there yesterday, all lined up looking for Endo and also the, the new players. And he didn't do an awful lot during the, the, the training session, but you know, there was just... Gamba, the way they finished last season, obviously needed a, a pick me up, and and that that news kind of seemingly out of the blue really um really pr- provided it for for Gamba. It was quite quite funny because obviously the the, the coaching staff, all, all of the coaches have, can play football to some some degree, but there was a couple of times that at the end of an exercise, the coaches were moving the ball or kind of kicking it, and just the difference in quality between the way the Endo kicked the ball and the way all the other coaches kicked the ball was 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 phenomenal, and you know it's such such a great player, I think. Possibly my, my only real regret about my, my Japan experience is that I, I due to the time I arrived in Japan and got into the J League, I, I, I missed the, the true peak of his career. I only really got the the, the back end of his, his peak years. Obviously, the, the 2014 Gamba coming back up to, to J1 and winning the treble and him winning the MVP. Um, you know, after that, he started to get a bit older. I think maybe one of my favourite memories for, for, for Gamba was when I was living in Machida. I went to a it was a Levan Cup, it might be called Nabisco Cup back then, 2016. Gamba played Yokohama F. Marinos and they, they went through and just, Endo would have been 36 at that time, but he was just, you know, he's conducting the orchestra. It felt like the, the Gamba midfield and attack were all moving in tune to what he wanted them to do. And that was the Marinos defenders. They didn't really know what to do. They were just moving what, what he was doing. And, you know, at 36 years old in a, a game of that kind of magnitude, I think it was like a quarter final against a decent Marinos team and a, and a good Gamba team. Now, he was still the focal point, an absolutely f- phenomenal player. And, you know, I'd seen him before, obviously, in the, the 2010 World Cup, and I'd seen him a bit for, for Gamba. I didn't really take an awful lot of notice the, the game against Manchester United, I think, in 2008. But, you know, to, to be at that level for, for so long, you know, we're, we're going to be doing the, the season previews soon, and I think something that's going to come up for 
for many clubs and many players is, you know, they did it last season. Can they keep it up this season? And, you know, spoiler alert, most of the time, you know, the answer will be no or to, to, to varying degrees. But, you know, Endo, to, to play as high as a, a level as he has, you know, he's the most capped national team players with the, the record for J-League appearances. He's won trophies. He's been in best 11s, you know. He's been, yeah, as you say, the, the only person that could be named as the J-League's the MVP of the first 30 years, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal career, and you know, for, for Gamba as, as a Gamba supporter, I'm delighted to have him back, and it, it is good he's still involved in the Japanese game. And uh, I'm guessing at some point um, you, you'll see him uh, involved as a as a like a Kantoku as a, a manager, head coach in his own right. But he's obviously learning his craft back at Gamba, and it's you know, it's great to see him still involved in football. So yeah, obviously we, we wish him well. What for yourself, Benny? Obviously, apart from Japan, he didn't represent any teams you supported but from the outside like what was your kind of view on Endo is there anything you would add well yeah I mean to be perfectly honest Johnny I couldn't stand him for the most part <laughs> I didn't know yeah why he never got his hair cut and he was too slow and he couldn't run and he couldn't tackle but boy oh boy could he play <laughs> could he play football yeah um yeah just a phenomenal player um and yeah always did something to uh, affect the game when uh, he was playing against your team and um one of those um just yeah metronomic players who just was uh, capable of uh, seeing you know things uh, two or three seconds ahead of anybody else and was always in the right place at the right time and always picked the right pass and yeah the way he used to roll penalties in were used to do my head in but um yeah again he was uh, playing my games with the keeper and it worked each and every time so um yeah just uh uh, well, uh, I think a, a player that uh, I initially had to uh, begrudgingly respect, but by um, yeah, by the time um, I really got myself invested in the J League, it was um, yeah, it was clear uh, he was uh, uh, already an icon by by that stage, and um, yeah, the way he was just able to uh, extend his career and you know never uh, never overstayed his welcome. I don't think anywhere, and he was always. Uh, yeah, always did his 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 utmost for uh for the team he represented going you know all the way back to to Kyoto and the Flugels and uh, obviously all his time at uh, at Gumba and uh, and for Iwata latterly as well. So um, yeah, a uh, a remarkable career and you never know, Johnny. A couple of injuries in central midfield um, <laughs> early on in uh, in 2024 and yeah, um, I don't think you'll need too much encouragement to <laughs> to maybe pull pull on the boots again by. Uh, by Danny Poyatos, so uh, maybe we haven't seen the last of him um, in a Gumba shirt. Who knows? But uh, yeah, uh, just wanted to, to pay respect to, to Yato at the end of uh, a, well, what we think is the end of a, a remarkable career. And yeah, we we hope he continues to be involved in football for a long time to come. All right, Johnny. So we we thought we'd wrap up this episode with the well, a little bit of housekeeping, um, listeners. There has been a lot of transfer activity since we last recorded our our last episode with the Dan Olowitz last week. But um, yeah, with our J1 season previews coming in a uh, beginning rather in in two weeks time um, and not wanting to put anybody's noses out of joint by maybe mentioning the odd transfer here and there, but not uh, another one that uh, other people felt was uh, was more important. We've uh, we've decided to park that. But um, yeah, basically um, all of the, the well, I think almost all of the uh, the J1 teams 
have released their new kits by now, Johnny, and our clubs, uh, Gumba and uh, NFC Tokyo, did so uh, over the weekend. So, uh, what's your uh, what's your report on the uh, on the new Gumba kit? Uh, are you a fan? Hmm. Y- y- yes, yes, and no. As as a as a uniform, like the, the home strip, I, I really like the design personally. But as a as a Gamba uniform, I think people have pointed out it looks a bit like the 2016 ACL uniform, and that almost all black with the, the blue pinstripes. It kind of has the feeling of a of a nice ACL uniform or like one of those summer summer kits. So mm. Mm, I, I mean, in fairness, I usually take a bit of time to to get used to these things. And actually, I, I mentioned that I was at the 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 club's training yesterday, and I think I think my toes have just about thawed out from standing in the shade for two hours. But actually, <laughs> before before the training session, that they, they took a, the team photo, the the pitch at uh, Panasonic Stadium has been been relayed, so they did it on the training grounds. And actually, see, seeing all those players like from a distance in mostly black. It actually looked quite intimidating. Was was one of the words that was used by by a lot of supporters. So hopefully it can have have that effect on on opponents. So maybe stop them scoring from corners a, a bit. So I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna get my my <laughs> usual my usual seven Sami on the front and you know the, the the away kit looks very much like a like a near United home top. So I'm I'm quite a fan of that. So I'm I'm considering a purchase of that. I'm not not sure if I'll go ahead. I think it's what Wednesday that the fan club members can can go for that, but. Yeah, the, the kit looks nice, but I, I'm yet to be convinced it's not blue enough to be a Gamba kit. So I think it'll take time to grow on me. But but generally, yeah, it could have been far far worse. What what about FC Tokyo? They've also re- released a new kit. What what are your what are your thoughts on that one? Yes, I like it. Uh, unfortunately, it has the new badge on it, so um, that's uh, one significant uh, downside for me. But um, yeah, they've gone away from uh, from really uh, strong, bold uh, uh, blue and red stripes, and um, I'm sure there's some uh, PR speak about um, what they what they represent, just like the lines on the on the badge. But um, yeah, overall, uh, I think it looks uh, it looks good, um, and I'm. I think I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I won't be allowed to purchase it by uh, by the boss. But um, yeah, if I was still in uh, uh, in control of my own finances, it might be one of the 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 ones from the last few years that I would consider uh, purchasing. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I think it it does the job. And um, yeah, I think we. Uh, well, I thought Alex and uh, Thomas were uh, conversing about uh, on social media about um, it looked like um, from the the teaser photos that we might be getting a, a template a New Balance kit along the lines of Sagan Tosu's, but I don't think it is um, quite uh, quite the same. Uh, in terms of design and um, you know st- stripe layout things like that, so uh, I think this is a, a bespoke Tokyo kit, and uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, I think it's uh, it's quite a good one. Uh, from the others that you've seen, uh, Johnny, please don't throw this question back at me because I don't think I have an answer prepared. But is there another uh, top flight kit that has uh, really taken your fancy either this past week or since they've uh, they've all been released? Risking the ire of fellow Gamba supporters, I'm going to say that the, the Urawa one looked re- really nice. I, I think, you know, in general, I think all J1 teams apart from Kashiwa, they, they change both the home and away kit every year, which for me is just way too much. It should be like two years, I think. But so I, I have to feel so a bit sorry for people who design kits for clubs like Urawa, where you feel like the home kit has to be mostly red. So like 
what what can you do with that? But for, for me, I, I really like what they've done with it, the black. And obviously, you know, we're not going to stray into transfers. But I, I think Uruwa are very fast joining Sam Frecci as a as a sexy pick for for J, J Pred honors for, for many people this season. And yeah, that, that mm. kit it does look does look very very strong. And I think it, you know you talk about corporate speak, you always get like with each kit but yeah i think it does convey a, a sense of, of strength which hopefully that for their supporters they, they can they can show in the pitch so that, that one really took my fancy um shonan I, I think i've yet to see a bad shonan kit i, I quite like their one th- th- this year and uh jubilo's collar um ah uh, yeah i'm <laughs> i'm I get the feeling like if you just watch the game on TV or, or from the stand, it's fine. But it's just when it like zooms in on it, especially in the home kit, I'm not convinced. Um, Machida look like they've gone for a Gamba uniform, which mm. I've seen much nicer Machida strips. Um, Cerezo have gone all pink, which a bit like Jubilo, I think have gone all sky blue. I mean, I, I don't know how other people feel. This might just be me, but see teams that usually have a different colour of shorts from the top. When they were all the one kit, that that irritates me. Knowing for for some reason, like for example, if Scotland wore all navy blue. I just I don't like that. But I think you know the the shirts, the Sarazo shirt looks looks pretty pretty nice. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the all pink. But I was actually discussing with some of my my Gamba fans, uh, so my Gamba uh, friends, because Gamba are basically all black and Sarazo are all pink. So can they have two home kits in in the Osaka derby, or will they still? insist mm. it's pink versus white or but black versus white it'd be interesting to see that but yeah i always like this time of the year i think everyone apart from sagan tosu and kawasaki at the time of recording have, have put out a press release about their their squad which i know i know it irritates a lot of people the sort of contract renewal when they already had a three-year contract but i think you can usually take it to the bank nine times out of ten if a name and number appears on that list that the player is basically going to stay to the start the first half of the season because otherwise the club have to start refunding jerseys they've sold so mm, yeah mm. St- starting to get a feel of what what the the teams are doing this season the, the kits are out and yeah i was i was there seeing about pre-season training so yeah st- starting to get a bit excited still what five or six weeks to go to the season start so yes it's been good to have the distra- distraction of the, the the asian cup if i can can call it a distraction but but definitely a, a little bit of excitement for the, the 2024 season starting to build for, for me anyway yeah, most definitely. That's uh, well, that's a very good roundup. Thank you, Johnny. You've uh, you've done well there to to uh, yeah run us through some of the uh, yeah the best and most interesting kits of the uh, of the new campaign. And yeah, Jubilo's collar is definitely uh, the. Uh, I was going to say the jury is out on it, but no, I don't think they are at all. I think most people don't like it. But uh, as you say, yeah, once. Uh, yeah, once they're actually out and playing in it, we uh, we won't really notice. But uh, it is uh, um, quite a sight, isn't it? Um, resembling uh, Grandma's tea towels, uh, <laughs> according to to Sean Goldbraith in our in our line group. All right, then. So I think um, yeah, we could probably leave it there. As we said, we're going to begin our uh, top flight previews in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, obviously, in the meantime, we will be with you, uh, listeners, for uh, yeah, as long as uh, Japan stay uh, in the Asian Cup, and we're hoping obviously there'll be a crossover between those two things as we want Japan to go as far as possible in the tournament deep into well yeah the first couple of weeks of uh, February isn't it so uh, for now we'll leave it there Johnny we'll um, yes we'll wish Japan luck against Iraq and um, and I'll uh, yeah look forward to rounding up uh, that game with you in our next episode
Yeah, well, I mean, at least for, for us in a positive sense, it gave us lots to talk about. If it was a it was a comfortable two or three victory, this this might this podcast might have been half the half the length. So <laughs> yeah. the, the the big game is obviously Friday against Iraq. You know, we'll, we'll see how that that goes. Hopefully, another another three points for Japan, and it's onwards and upwards to the the knockout stages. But yeah. Hopefully, listeners are putting a, a better performance this week, freed from jet lag, and uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you again soon, Ben. Yeah, still a performance uh, as as usual, Johnny. Terrific stuff from you. All right, so uh, we'll leave it there. That's it for this week's episode of the J Talk Podcast. Uh, Johnny and I would like to thank our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. If you'd like to get involved, please visit patreon.com slash jtalkpod. And listeners, new and old, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back in our next episode to chat about Japan's game against Iraq. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.